You're listening to What's the Rumpus? Shh. Geeks in progress. Her webpage is whatstherumpuspodcast.com where you can listen to episodes or join in the off-air discussion in the forums. Our theme music is Better Nation by Curious Hands, which can be found at podsafeaudio.com. Submit and vote for stories at whatstherumpus.reddit.com. That's R-E-D-D-I-T dot com. Welcome to another episode of What's the Rumpus. I'm Adrian Hanna. Charles Thomas. And he's getting silly, bitches. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I'm done yawning. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, I uh, I couldn't sleep last night, and then I had to wake up early to work. Boo! Yeah. On the bright side, I have four hours of overtime in the last two days, so I think I might just take next Friday off. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> or like work from home in the morning and then call it a day at like noon. Yeah. That would be dope. Plus, my uh, my boss is not in the country right now, so I could probably get away with it. Awesome. Having your boss out is like, it's like a vacation day anyways. Yeah, well, so he's in uh, Kuala Lumpur for a month. <laughs> nice. So he's he's at work because he's he's opening the office there or, or bringing on the support team there. But their, their time zone is literally 12 hours offset from ours. So we are in almost no communication whatsoever. <laughs> uh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, it means that now I have to work with his boss and his boss's boss because he's out. <laughs> Boo. But luckily, they're they're good guys, but uh, I don't want to have you know deal with them. Yeah, I, I understand that. Okay, so apparently, uh, some archaeologists have uncovered a. Uh, um, a sunken ship in the the Caribbean that uh, they believe to be uh, the flagship of Admiral Henry Morgan's uh, pirate fleet. Uh, Henry Morgan being, of course, the pirate most famous because of the the rum that carries his name. Uh, Except they got his title wrong? (laughs) Well, at some point he had to have been a captain. In order to be, have become a uh, an admiral, yeah, fair enough. I, I think it's funny though. Also, I didn't know this before I read this article, but uh, um, apparently his flagship was named Satisfaction, <laughs> which is a bizarre name for a, a pirate ship. Yeah, it is. It's a b- bizarre name for anything, I guess, except for a song. By the Rolling Stones. Um, except for songs by the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess there's not really much else to talk about except for that they found this ship and they're pretty sure that it's that. Um, also, it, it's uh, I thought it was interesting that a majority of the money that came or that was uh, put up for this, uh, this search was done by um, the people that own Captain Morgan Rum. That's not that surprising to me. It's not that surprising to me either. But I thought it was—I thought it was interesting. They were like, "Oh, you guys—you oh, guys are looking for, uh, for for his his flagship. That's cool. We can uh, uh, give you some money for that." Yeah, that's pretty cool. Oh, 
I don't really have anything to say about that. Yeah. I, I don't that's, like rum, and I didn't know he was a real dude. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, that's one of those stories where, where you bring it up, and then there's not really much to discuss about it. So so it's a good thing that we talked about it on a podcast when we're recording conversations that we have long discussions about that are interesting and newsworthy. Yeah, totally. <laughs> My heart's not really in it this week, so this this episode's probably going to suck more than normal. Just uh, FYI. <laughs> Fair game. Um, how about let's talk about the, the basically all of the internet going down uh, last week on, like, Monday, I think it was. So I didn't even know that this happened, so I guess that tells you something about what websites use uh, Amazon and which ones I frequent. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But, do you want to... Give the intro first, and now that I've already... <laughs> All right, now, now that we've had the discussion, let's explain the article. Um, <laughs> basically, uh, on, I think it was Monday night through Tuesday morning, um, a bunch of prominent websites went down, um, and it's, it was because they're all hosted on uh, Amazon's EC2 service. Uh, and I was actually surprised that that, uh, that many... Websites were were hosted like production wise on on EC2. Um, got me thinking about things, but uh, uh, Reddit, Heroku, Foursquare, Instagram, Fab, Quora, Turntable.fm, Netflix, um, and those are just a few. But uh, it's I don't know. It, it it's pretty crazy that 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 just you know everybody hosts through through Amazon and suddenly, you know, they have a glitch and everything goes down and the whole internet erupts in madness for a few hours. Yeah. It, it reminds me of when we were in, uh, when we were in college and, uh, um, Facebook went down for like two hours and that's like all anybody could talk about. And it was like, you'd talk to people afterwards and they'd be, they'd be saying, they were like, yeah, I just sat in front of my computer and hit the refresh button over and over again until it came back up. It's like, couldn't you come up with something better to do? Like, I yeah, couldn't you install a browser extension to do that for you? <laughs> <laughs> Dumbasses. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, it's funny. About half of the things that you listed, I use and about half of them I've never heard of. Yeah. So, um, and of the ones that I use, I don't use any of them frequently. But this this happened not too long ago. I remember it was a big deal on Reddit because Reddit was down for so long. Yeah, it was um, in April it happened. Yeah, and then it surprises me that it surprises me that Amazon of all people is having such a problem with this. Like two major outages in less than a year. That doesn't seem like their style. Yeah, yeah. From a company that you never hear anything about this sort of thing happening, and all of a sudden twice in. What, yeah. five months, six months? I wonder if they're farming out that to a different company and they're, the, that company has problems or something. It just doesn't seem like something that Amazon would do. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> this I actually thought of this after reading uh, something on uh, FailBlog. It's, well, it, okay, so it's M through F, which is uh, work.failblog.org, and also I think M through F.com, and it's uh, T-H-R-U-F, M through F. Um, but anyway, where was I going with this? Oh, so it's, um, it's, it's a picture of a post. Is that what's happening here? Yeah. So the uh, dailymail.co.uk had, an art, uh, had a news story. Daily Mail website, woman banned from shopping in Abercrombie and Fitch for buying too many clothes. Uh, so Amazon, uh, Abercrombie and Fitch apparently has 
some sort of software to detect when they think that people are buying their clothes in bulk and reselling them. So they're buying them on the website for a discount and then reselling them at a higher price. And this woman buys so many fucking clothes at Abercrombie & Fitch that it set off the filter and shut her account off because she, she buys so many clothes at Abercrombie & Fitch that they thought she was a reseller. Uh, and it turns out that she's just a lunatic that only wears Abercrombie and Fitch clothes and whose husband wears the, the, and whose husband wears mostly Abercrombie and Fitch clothes. And apparently they need so many clothes that they, uh, triggered this thing. But it it made me think of two things at the same time. The first was a TED talk about algorithms. And, uh, in that talk, the guy discusses the fact that, um, 10% 10% of the stock market effectively disappeared. 10% of the wealth in the stock market effectively disappeared. And because of competing algorithms, and still nobody knows how it happened or why, except that it was the automated algorithms that all of a sudden started dropping share prices to the point that 10% of the, the wealth of the stock market disappeared. Okay, uh, just before you go on, um, to, to elaborate on that, um, Nowadays, with uh, the advent of computers, uh, the uh, stock market, a majority of the trading that happens on the stock market anymore is done with computers and microtransactions uh, over the span of seconds. Um, right. Throughout, you, so throughout, you're, yeah, you're not going to explain this nearly as well as this guy does. So right. if, you're, if you want to find more detail, just go to the Reddit reddit.com slash r slash what's the rumpus and find the post called TED Talk Algorithms. And watch the video um, because he does a really good job of explaining it, and I don't think either of us are smart or informed enough <laughs> that. True. Um, and then the other thing he talks about is this book on on Amazon that costs like several hundred million dollars because uh, Amazon customers or Amazon sellers also use algorithms to set their prices on their inventory, and they had set their book algorithm to put the price slightly higher than their competitor. And because the two algorithms were just constantly monitoring the price of this book, it skyrocketed and it just kept like increasing in value and increasing in value until it was, until like, I mean, it was an out of print book, except it was a book no one would ever read because it was like on the biology of flies or something like that. Uh, so it went from like probably worth about 50 bucks because it was a tech out of print textbook to like hundreds of millions of dollars in a matter of a few days because these algorithms uh, ran rampant, essentially. Um, so those, that was the first thing I thought of was uh, algorithms going crazy. Uh, the second thing I thought of was um, I've been, I read a lot of blogs uh, about a year ago when I w- thought I was going to quit my job and not have another one uh, that, that were about, um, they, they, called them, they called it minimalist living or zen living or all this other hippie bullshit, but it was basically about being conscious of your possessions and only owning things you actually need. And I can't imagine how many clothes you would have to buy in order to be thought a reseller if you're buying clothes for two people. Yeah, no like, kidding. I'm looking at the entirety of my closet, and it's probably a couple hundred bucks worth of clothes. Like, how do you how do you do that? Where do you keep all these clothes, and how often do you even wear them? Like, buy, I don't I don't understand. It's just mind boggling to me that someone would spend that much money on clothes. Yeah, dude, I go I go clothes shopping about once a year, and I'll spend maybe like uh, two hundred dollars at a pop, and that's and then usually when I bring those clothes home, they're to replace something else. Yeah, I, don't, I can't. I can't even fathom buying that much clothes. Like that's like a new shirt for every day ever. It's like I'll wear this shirt once and then never again. 
Yeah, I don't understand how that's even remotely possible. Maybe both of them just really hate doing laundry. Uh, possible, except it, uh, even if it, even if that were true, it's way more cost-effective to pay someone to do your laundry like I do because I also hate doing laundry than it is to keep buying clothes. <laughs> that's true. That, that's just, I don't know, especially keep buying Abercrombie clothes. Like maybe if you were going to Goodwill. Right. There's actually... Um, when I had a Nook, they Barnes and Noble. I don't know if they still do it. I think they do. They gave you a free book every month, or was it every week? I think it was every month. Um, and one of them was this book called uh, One Shot, and it was about a former, it was about a retired military policeman uh, who is a sort of private detective. But he was constantly tra- so he was getting he all of his in- all of his income was his military pension. So. He liked to travel and he liked to live cheaply, so he used his military pension to pay for hotel rooms. And instead of doing laundry or carrying luggage, whenever his clothes got dirty enough that he didn't want to wear them anymore, he would just buy a completely new outfit and then wear it for a few days. <laughs> Until like, and it talks about how like uh, when he when he goes to sleep, he unfold he takes off his clothes and he like puts them under the mattress to make sure to keep them looking as if they're ironed and stuff. It's completely- <laughs> really funny like even shoes like he was talking about how he wished he had bought sneakers instead of loafers for the for this that particular week because he had done a lot of running and it wasn't very comfortable but he hadn't worn the shoes out yet so he wasn't <laughs> going to find new ones <laughs> nice yeah i just thought that was bananas yeah Can't imagine a person doing that totes my goats all right hipsterstartrek.tumblr.com AKA the best website ever. Yeah. Boldly go somewhere you've probably never heard of. All right. So (laughs) as with a a lot of Tumblr sites, it's mostly just a a bunch of uh, pictures posted. But uh, basically uh, the guy who set it up or girl, I don't know, but the person who set it up uh, has a bunch of template pictures and it's basically all the characters from Star Trek, the next generation, mostly. Um, with uh, the hipster glasses on their face, and then he's asking people to submit these pictures with uh, captions. Yeah. And so it's stuff like, you know, it's got, like, uh, Wesley Crusher, and it says, I played the game before it was cool. Me and my nanites are playing an acoustic set this weekend. My favorite one is of uh, Commander Sisko from Deep Space Nine. <laughs> it just says, Galaxy-class starships, I only live on fixed-gear space stations. <laughs> I heart that one. That one, I, I saw this website at work, and uh, I laughed my ass off at that one. To the point, again, that all my coworkers were like, what's wrong with this? <laughs> yeah. This other one's good, too. It's from uh, the show Enterprise, which was about the initial launch of the Enterprise. And it's Scott Bakula wearing the goofy glasses, and it says, I captained the Enterprise before it was cool. I used to captain the Stargazer. You've probably never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, these are pretty great, and I can't wait to see more. It's a really new website. They only have, like, five or six up right now, but uh, keep an eye out for uh, for more hilarity to ensue. Yeah. Okay, the uh, Wired article... On uh, which traits predict success? You want to talk about that? Uh, okay. Forgot that we were still and submitted a lot of poop this week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it, the subtitle is the importance of grit, and essentially it was it's kind of like the 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 uh, what am I trying to say? The thesis of the article is essentially the same as uh, from Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Outliers. 
Right. Uh, and basically it says you need a shitload of practice in order to be good at things. So it, it actually, the, the main focus of the article is about spelling bee competitions, of all things. And someone studied them and found that the people that are most likely to win are not necessarily the ones that uh, have the best start or that uh, have people help them the most, but the people that are most willing to sit in a room and study and practice by themselves. So, like, and it, it also talks about how um, it's not necessary. It's it's the people that are willing to do the most when it's the least fun. So sitting in a room and studying words blows ass, but the people that but the people that are most willing to do it, even though it sucks, are the most likely to succeed in the spelling bee. So like even if you have the same amount of time in doing, uh, say like flashcards with someone who's helping you, versus actually forcing yourself to study by yourself, forcing yourself to study by yourself makes you more likely to win. It was a really interesting article, but basically, if you want to get good at something, you have to practice it. You have to practice it even when it sucks. You have to practice it the way it's done, not the way that you think is, like, tangential and will still help. Right. I've actually I've actually uh, heard a lot of uh, people talk about things that way. Like, um, well, first of all, in the, in the, in Outliers, um, that uh, Malcolm Gladwell says that it takes something like ten thousand hours to become a, a master at something, and and he he examples um, a lot of prominent people in different fields, and uh, basically saying that that uh, um, the reason that they're as prominent in their field uh, is because they got their ten thousand hours in in that field, and mostly they got their that time in before that field became prominent at all so like bill gates was really big into computers before computers got really big so he was ahead way ahead of the curve when uh when computers started uh being introduced in the home which is why microsoft became such a powerhouse so early on and and, uh steve jobs actually parallels that like he was a computer nerd before it was cool right uh he got his ten thousand hours in around the same time um yeah it's the, I, I like the example, too, of the Beatles and the fact that um, the Beatles were uh, working clubs in Hamburg, Germany, and they were working so many clubs that they were effectively putting in eight-hour days, eight, eight to eight to sixteen-hour days, doing nothing but playing. And they it wasn't it, they weren't practicing together. They were like playing gigs all day long. And on top of that, if they couldn't get if they couldn't get time in a club, if they couldn't get a gig in a club, they'd just go sit on the street and play for whatever money people would throw in a guitar case. Right, so they were they were literally putting in a full workday of playing gigs, um, and they effectively in that few months in Hamburg they effectively got a huge chunk of that ten thousand hours taken out, plus the time they had spent you know playing by themselves, plus the time they had spent before uh, going to Hamburg. And I just muted my mic so I could belch, and it was really good, and I sort of wish I hadn't muted it now. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the yeah, so that the Beatles is another good example. So they they started early. And which meant, and they played a lot, so they hit their 10,000 mark soon, which is why they were so popular and so young when they got popular. Right. Um, and, uh, another uh, case is uh, in Tim Ferriss' book, uh, The Four Hour Body. Um, he talks a lot about about training for you know whatever improving improving your body in in certain ways, and and 
Um, basically what he says is, is that when you're doing exercise, when you're, when you're doing whatever it is that you're doing to try and, you know, increase strength or muscle mass or lose weight or whatever it is, whatever exercise you're doing, it, uh, you should avoid, uh, like playing sports or things like that because that's, because doing that is like, it's like doing something entertaining that, you know, where the, uh, exercise part of it is secondary. And he says what you need to do is you need to focus on doing the things that are going to, to increase whatever you're trying to increase, which goes perfectly along this line, you know. Instead of doing something that's tangential and more fun than the actual thing that you're practicing for, you do the thing that you practice for and right. you get much better results. Because you're getting you're getting more for the out like you're getting more output for your input. Right. So if you, if it's exercise, then you know you only have so many out so many you only have so much energy to spend exercising. So if you spend it on the exercise that's going to do the most to get you the goal you want to achieve, then that makes more sense than having fun while you're doing it. Right. Precisely. Okay. This story combines uh, two of our favorite subjects. Hacking and Veneer? No. Okay. <laughs> Our two other I, favorite subjects. I was close. <laughs> <laughs> Hacking and Facebook. Uh, so apparently um, the, the uh, group Anonymous has vowed to destroy Facebook on November 5th. Um, boo for November 5th because, you know, remember, remember the 5th of November, and that is just not played out enough as it is, sarcastically. Well, I mean, Anonymous's mascot is Guy Fox. It's true. So, yeah. Um, also, also oh, fun ahead. fact: fun fact, Guy Fox tried to blow up Parliament in order to store the in order to restore the monarchy. So, all these Americans using Guy Fox as their mascot are sort of dumbasses. <laughs> totally. Plus, uh, the fifth of no- November is the day that that uh, you remember. Uh, it's, it's in remembrance of them being dumbasses. Failed and got killed for treason. Yeah, I mean, if you if you if you actually look at some of the uh, the traditions of uh, of Guy Fox Day, uh, it's to make make a, an effigy of Guy Fox and then burn the hell out of it. So in in England, you go around and you see people that have these dummies hanging from sticks, and then they light it on fire and they just sit there and hold it up, and everybody cheers and lights off firecrackers and drinks a lot. Awesome. That's yeah. my kind of holiday. And how. But uh, also, um, it, I just heard, like, yesterday, I think, that uh, it's not actually uh, anonymous as a whole that's decided to do this. It's just some small subsect of, uh, of anonymous. Well, that's the problem with anonymous. When they don't have a head, anybody can do anything and claim it was part of anonymous. And that's how true. the hell are they going to, unless not anonymous refutes it, how the hell is anybody going to know any different? Right. Well, all all that uh, all that happened was uh, uh, somebody came out or anonymous came out with another message that basically just said said yeah um, nobody really speaks for anonymous as a whole, so this is, may not necessarily be. Uh, this be the entirety of Anonymous going to do this, but it's definitely uh, somebody that's part of the group. So they're they're basically saying, well, it's not really us, but uh, we're just making this small distinction. We don't give a shit that they're actually doing this because it's kind of cool to us. But just saying, it's not going to be the whole of us. Yeah, doing this. So in, in the other, there's a couple other things I have a problem with this. So first. If you're going to do it on that date, it seems like if you were going to make a big to-do about doing something on that date, you would do something that was government-related and not attack a social networking website, even if it is the biggest and most popular social networking website. Right. And on top of that, how 
smart is it to announce your target months in advance so to give them time to prep? Like, oh, hey, guys, we're going to get attacked on this date. Maybe we should, uh, you know, harden our servers before then. Yeah. You, think, you think that's maybe a good plan? I mean, unless, um, unless Anonymous's plan is really to just scare Facebook shitless and make them piss away a bunch of money on extra security, yeah. this is a pretty failed tactic. <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting, but stupid. Yeah, yeah, it seems pretty stupid. I'm just, I'm just curious to see see what they decide to do to try and quote unquote destroy Facebook, because I, Facebook is already pretty much doing a Facebook is pretty much doing a good job of that on their own, aren't they? Yeah. Well, you know, and their big complaint is that you know they sell information and they they release. Uh, it, private information to the government and this and that and you know the typical complaints of, of anonymous but right. uh, but I just I just um, I, I, I find it um, interesting or fascinating that uh, uh, that they use the word destroyed because I mean I, I don't know what they plan on doing to destroy Facebook I mean yes you could you know you could DDoS the hell out of it, and then it's down for, you know, an hour or two or maybe a whole day if you're, you know, smart about it. But, you know, once you lose interest in, in your attack, then, you know, it comes back up and everybody goes back to using it. And yeah. I don't see how they're going to actually destroy it. So I'm interested to see what they're actually planning on doing in order to... Well, I'm, I mean, for all intents and purposes, taking the website down for any amount of time is destroying it if you've offline their service. Um, but right. that doesn't mean it can't be recovered or rebuilt. But I mean, the, so the word destroy could have all kinds of implications here. I mean, it could have there could be a time bomb in the Facebook servers that is going to start shredding data for all we know. But it could be that ju- the the website's just down for five minutes. There's like there's no way to know until it happens. Right, and that's why I'm interested to see what happens. In agreement or not with the with it happening, I still want to I still want to see it happen. I want to see what how they go about doing it. You want to know what destroy means, whether yes. whether you care about it or not. You, you're interested. You're curious to know what destroy means. Yes, yes, I am. Speaking of hackers, uh, this year at DefCon, which was last weekend, um, was the first ever DefCon for kids. Uh, in attendance were were uh, hacker quote wannabes, as they put called them at the conference. Uh, from age ages eight to sixteen in attendance at Defcon for Kids, and the most prominent thing about that came out of uh, Defcon for Kids was the ten-year-old uh, girl that uh, presented a uh, um, an exploit uh, for some some. This is my favorite part, though. Not just a ten-year-old girl, a ten-year-old girl scout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, basically what she figured out was she was playing a game on on, uh, some mobile device, and um, it's one of those games where, you know, you click on something and it goes, oh, you're building something, and it'll take 16 minutes to build this. Uh, And so you have to wait for for that 16 minutes before it before you're allowed to build something else or build that thing or whatever else. You just, the point is you have to wait 16 minutes. Well, she figured out that if she disconnected from Wi-Fi on the device and then changed the system time to 16 minutes, well, changed the system time incrementally um, forward to, at uh, small amounts of time until she hit that 16-minute mark, uh, then the game would, would see it as having completed the 16 minutes. 
So that thus cutting down her wait time from 16 minutes to like a minute and a half or something like that. Yeah. Um, which well, is impressive for, you know, a 10-year-old. Yeah. It's not a very sophisticated uh, exploit, but it's a pretty sophisticated exploit for a 10-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> well, and they, they rolled the, – the cool thing about DEFCON is that they, they rolled with this, and uh, um, they ended up giving out some kind of award for the person who could find the most games that that exploit worked in, in like an hour. I think, or it was like six really? hours. Yeah, if you, they gave them six hours to, to see who could find the most games to, uh, that you could ex- exploit that way. And then they had, at the closing ceremony, they gave out an award to the kid that came up with the most. That's pretty dope. Yeah. And I really like that. Like, I, I really like that they were so, cause DEFCON is, I don't know. I mean, you've actually been, so you can probably, you're probably, well, you're certainly more informed on the topic, but I get the impression of DEF CON that they're really against outsiders. Like, you always hear about how um, they're, you know, it's the game to try and spot the uh, spot the feds or um, keep reporters out, you know, that story about the reporters who got kicked out because they didn't have press passes and whatnot. Right. And so they seem very um, self-contained and, and uh, xenophobic. But it's really awesome that they're, and I mean, I guess these people are their their people, even though they're kids. But it, it surprises me to find out that they're so open about uh, bringing new people in. Right. Well, the the way that the way it is is that they're very they're very open and and welcoming to to people. It's just that they're not gonna they're not gonna put the effort into it, kind of thing. So it's very it's like a closed circle. But if you like you know, run in and, and bust in on something and, you know, just start asking questions and not be a retard about it, then they're, you know, they'll they'll uh, greet you with open arms. I mean, when I went to DEF CON, it was my first DEF CON, and, uh, and I, di- I didn't go with anybody. I just showed up and didn't know anybody there, and uh, I ended up um, just going at one of the nights and sat down at a table with a, with a group of people and uh, just got talking with them, and then suddenly I'm, you know, wandering around getting introduced to... Uh, Captain Crunch and uh, um, Dark Tangent, who is the the founder of, of DefCon, you know. So once you get, once you just break that, break the ice and get into that group, then then you're more than welcome. The thing with the uh, the, the the press pass thing was it was a it was a, a reporter who was trying to do like this like undercover <laughs> undercover piece, yeah, yeah, and and get people to admit the kind of uh, illegal stuff that they're doing. And uh, oh, okay. And and it was during the opening ceremony that, that she got called out on it, and uh, and so and and that that was the that's the big thing because I mean you're walking into you know a group of ten thousand people who are all uh, above average paranoid at the least, and you've got somebody who's undercover trying to trying to get people to admit stuff, and before she even got around to doing that, she got she got busted and got run out of the. Uh, out of the con. Right. And the spot the Fed thing, that that's always been in good fun. I mean you get like a prize for it and so so any anybody that any FBI agents that are there, they're usually only there to, to for the talks to see what kind of you know, things are current in, in the right. hacker community. But still if you get if, if you can if you can find a find a Fed without them admitting to you that they're a Fed until you've outed them, then you get some kind of prize and you know, everybody's all in good fun, you know, and then you get ribbed ribbed for working for the government. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, it's it, it seems like it's a really close 
group, but it's it's really not. I mean, especially with these guys, that the most of the people that go to DEF CON are, are pretty open and okay. friendly-ish. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's sort of the impression that I had from the conversations we had had, but I think to people on the outside, it seems less that way. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. if the the more you get into it, the more you realize how open they are, but completely outside of it, it seems like this dark, weird thing that is very unfriendly and unforgiving. Yeah. I totally want to go to go back to DEFCON. I have been saying that since I went the first time, and I just haven't managed to make it out there. So hopefully it'll be uh, in the works for next year. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I really, really want to go to uh, the Amazing Meeting, which is also in Vegas and also in the summer. I think they were pretty close this year. If they could manage to get those things to happen, like, back-to-back, I could just take, like, three weeks off work and just hang out in Vegas <laughs> for three weeks. That would be awesome for two weeks or a week and a half or whatever. Totally. Expensive, but awesome. But I've already started saving to go to TAM, so. <laughs> so what is the Amazing Meeting? Uh, it's put on by the James Randi Education Foundation. Um, so JREF is, um, their mission is to defraud psychics and mag- ah. not necessarily magicians, but psychics and uh, alien abductees and that sort of thing. Paranormal type things. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Um, so their, their biggest claim to fame is the Million Dollar Challenge. And um, if you can prove any sort of paranormal ability like... Uh, remote seeing or telepathy or telekinesis or anything like that, you you will be given a million dollars. And so far, all of the people claiming to be psychic or pe- people who can talk to the dead or whatever have been defrauded nice. by the foundation. In in the like thirty years or something like that that the challenge has existed, no one no one has ever won or even cl- come close. Like seventy five percent of the people that do this don't even get past the, the phone screening. <laughs> I found out about him through watching Penn and Teller's bullshit because um, Penn and Teller claimed that without James Randi, who started the James Randi Education Foundation, uh, who's also a conjurer, as he likes to say, rather than magician. Um, that, anyway, Penn and Teller have said without the amazing Randi, there would be no Penn and Teller. And uh, a lot of what they did on bullshit was debunking the kind of thing that James Randi debunks. And so they interviewed him quite a number of times during the episodes. Uh, and then I read one of James Randi's books, which, so James Randi is this, like, I think he's in his late 80s or early 90s, but he looks like this old curmudgeon, and he sort of is this old curmudgeon if you're claiming to be psychic or anything like that, but he's super friendly if you're just a normal person or if you're a skeptic, but he, he looks like he should be an old crank, and he is an old crank. But he also talks awesome, which sounds really dumb. But like, so his book, his book about debunking myths was called Flim Flam. <laughs> and he, he like, he calls himself a conjurer, which is awesome because it sounds awesome because uh, magician implies actual use of magic. So he calls himself a conjurer instead. And uh, I'm trying to, I, I always fail to think of the other things he, he uses, like, he like he calls people charlatans and stuff like that, but if you read the actual definition of charlatan, it completely fits, but it sounds hyperbolic because no one ever actually uses those words as they were intended. Right. <laughs> like, even the title Flim Flam is a perfect fit, except it sounds so ridiculous. Yeah, totally. Awesome. 
if I can find an awesome picture of James Randi. Okay, so it turns out it's hard to find a not awesome picture of James Randi. <laughs> so if you Google image search James Randi, you'll see what I'm talking about. Except he doesn't seem really upset in any of these pictures. Oh yeah, that dude totally looks like a like an old crank. <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> There's actually he did a really great TED talk where um one of the things he fights he he fights really hard against is um not holistic medicine, um homeopathic. Homeopathic medicine because homeopathic medicine is basically just sugar pills. Um and he did this TED talk where the first thing he did was walked out on stage and, t- and took an entire bottle of homeopathic sleeping pills uh, and, and then just gave his talk because it, he basically just took a whole shitload of sugar pills because homeopathic medicine doesn't do anything because there's no medicine in it. Right. That sounds pretty awesome. I think, I think I, if, they, if those two coincided and I could afford it, I would totally go to both of those two. Yeah. It's uh, so. <laughs> one of the reasons I really wanted to go this year, apparent, I found out that apparently at, at 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 least at this, if not every amazing meeting, um, Penn Jillette has a bacon and donuts party. <laughs> or no, that sounds it's, awesome. Uh, bacon bacon donuts and rock and roll party or something like that, and it's like. Basically, it's show, if you're awesome and you go to the amazing meeting, then you should show up and hang out and eat donuts and bacon and talk to James Randi and Pendulette, I guess. I don't know. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I want this to become a thing. What's that? I'm, I'm this image I just found. Oh, I just lost it. Where'd it go? Son of a bitch. Well, it looks like uh, Adam Savage is a part of uh, the amazing meeting, too. Yeah, uh, so uh, Phil Plate, who's the bad astronomer, and uh, Neil Tyson, and I think Adam Savage uh, have all spoken at um, various amazing meetings. Uh, Christopher Hitchens, who's a well-known uh, atheist writer, has uh, has presented at several, I think. I'm not sure. Uh, there's a, yeah, but there's it's always really interesting stuff that they talk about. And I think if you go to jref.org, you can find some of their speeches Okay, it's not jref.org. What the hell is their website? Randy.org. That's right, R-A-N-D-I. You can find some of their speeches. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing at the picture that you sent. Yeah, it's awesome. (laughs) You should make sure that that ends up in the the show feed. Will do. It's it's basically just a picture of Randy, and it says, what the fuck is this shit? But it's it's awesome. <laughs> All right. So uh, you want to talk about how Lifehacker sucks now? Yes. Let's let's do that. So I was uh, pooping this morning and reading uh, Google Reader, and there was a post on Lifehacker called uh, "Use Craigslist to store your unused stuff until you need it." And I thought, oh, this is a really interesting idea. Until I read the post. And the first of all, the post is just a, a copy and paste of someone else's blog. Um, By the but, way, that guy's name is Mr. Money Mustache. <laughs> How does that even work? Does that mean his mustache is made of money? Or does that mean he's made of money and has a mustache? This is very confusing. I'm totally Google image searching Mr. Money Mustache. <laughs> putting, just, put, putting the cash in your stash is his uh, <laughs> subheading. Yeah, Mr. Money Mustache is a disappointing Google search term. Uh, but anyway, so the article is is called "Use Craigslist to Store Your Unused Stuff Until You Need It," 
that is not at all what this guy is telling you to do. What he's telling you to do is sell your shit on Craigslist, and then you can buy similar shit later if you decide you still need shit. And so his, ex- his example, he sold a 2001 Honda VFR 800 motorcycle on Craigslist, thinking that if he ever needed a motorcycle again, he could just buy another one on Craigslist. But that's not storing things. That's no. just selling things and then buying them again later. Like, so this copy and paste post on Lifehacker is a copy and paste of a stupid article to begin with. It's just, Lifehacker sucks now. It used to have, like, really awesome tips and tricks and stuff, mm-hmm. but now it's all either copy and paste from other people's blogs, which is stupid, or... Uh, recaps of old posts. Like, they keep putting these posts up that's like the top 10 ways to do this thing, and it's just links to old Lifehacker posts. And, uh, yeah, or it'll be like, uh, the top 10 things, top 10, top 10 things that you, you need to do to, to do this one thing. And, and then, like, the last two will be like, uh, just like, see, see number one or see number two or something silly like that. It's like, so that wasn't really 10, that was like eight. You, you can't count. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, on the Lifehacker, the only stuff that I read on Lifehacker anymore that I actually find take meaning from is the uh, the Workspace Flickr Gallery and occasionally stuff we like, except those are just product links, uh, and the From the Tips box. And From the Tips box is user-submitted stuff that they summarized and then reposted. So it's not even their content anymore. I, um, I'm pretty disappointed. I actually, I realized this when, uh, so I watched... I sort of cut back, but for a long time I watched a shitload of Revision 3 podcasts, and there's a Lifehacker podcast now, and I was stoked when I found out about it. And then I started watching it, and I realized that it was just, it, there was no new content. They just talked about old Lifehacker posts. Yeah. And then, and then I was watching it, and I'm like, well, they're just, they're just rehashing old material. And then that's when I realized that that's exactly the same thing the website was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember uh, a few years back I, when uh, when I first discovered Lifehacker, I was like, this is awesome, and I'd read almost every post, and I've gotten to a point where I only read, like, one or two things off of Lifehacker anymore. Yeah, Lifehacker, there was a time when Lifehacker was my favorite website, and uh, that is not true anymore. Like, it's to the point where I almost don't even want to read it anymore. If I knew of a good service for filtering RSS feeds, I would filter out everything but from the tips box, I think. Oh, if only they had uh, the RSS, uh, the on-the-fly RSS builder like uh, Gizmodo does. Oh, yeah. They're owned by the same parent company, aren't they? They might have it. Yeah. It's uh, Gawker Media. Yeah. So, yeah, it's entirely likely that you could find a uh, an RSS feed just for the uh, the tip thing. Just a tip, just a little, just to see how it feels. <laughs> and how... Okie dokie. Let's see here. Oh, uh, yeah. I, also, I just as a uh, um, as an addendum, I actually uh, read Mr. Money Mustache. Um, oh, really? Yeah, and it's it's actually one of the better uh, money blogs out there. Um, and uh, it's just it, it's kind of disappointing that uh, you know it gets featured on Lifehacker for completely the wrong reason and. They link to a they link to an article from him that was basically uh, and then just completely misconstrued the the article meaning to be something else. Oh, really? Yeah, because because I mean the the what they're uh, the the article from Mister Money Mustache was actually an article on how to make money using Craigslist. And the point being, if I sell my motorcycle now for $2,000, then if I ever need a motorcycle again later, I can probably buy one for cheaper, and therefore I've just made some money off of this whole thing. 
Mm, interesting. And maybe that was the point of the Lifehacker article, but I, I, I didn't no. read the whole even though it was only like 10. 10 no, I, I read the Lifehacker article, and I thought it was kind of garbage because, I mean, without having actually read the Mr. Money Mustache article first, I read that and I was like, that doesn't sound right. And basically what the guy's saying is that, that you're basically, you're using Craigslist like a pawn shop. You you throw right. something that you don't need into into uh, into hawk at a pawn shop, get some money for it, and then when you decide that you need it again, then you go in and you give you know them the money to get it back out of hawk, and right. and it's it's stupid. That's you can't it's oh, you can't use Craigslist like that because you right. you can't guarantee that you're going to be able to find exactly what you want again on Craigslist. Right. The point is, is that it, it goes back to that minimalist lifestyle thing that we talked about earlier. It goes back to, to that because in a minimalist lifestyle, you're trying to keep your 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 worldly possessions, your your uh, possessions down to a minimum. Um, and so, if you don't need this thing right now, then if you sell it, then you will have more money to to play around with. And later on, if you do need that, then you just buy it back, or not necessarily buy it back, but buy something similar for for less cost. Right. And I, it reminds me of uh, um, I can't remember what blog it was on, but about a year ago, one of those blogs had something about um, it's called the. Uh, um, storage unit uh, uh, method for getting rid of your stuff. Basically, you take everything you own and you put it in a storage unit. And every time you need something, you go and you get it from the storage unit. And after a year, if you everything that you still have in, a, in the storage unit, you, you get rid of because you don't need it. Right. Yeah, I've heard the same thing with uh, clothes where you – it's the exact same thing except it's just clothes in an extra closet. You just put all your shit in one closet, and then you, you empty your main closet, put all your stuff into the, the backup, and then you take stuff out of the backup, and as you after you clean, wear them and clean them, you put them back in the main one. Mm-hmm. And then at the, end of the, at the end of the year, everything that's still in the backup closet just gets thrown out or donated or whatever. Right. Uh, so uh, this week's uh, Oh Asia, You So Crazy – There's a trend in China now of uh, pickpockets who not who steal not using their hands but using uh, actual chopsticks to. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah, I saw the link and I thought it was a I thought it was a story about people stealing chopsticks and I was like <laughs> that is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> that's, that's what I thought when I first saw it, but then I read the article and it's it's actual thieves that go around with chopsticks to steal shit out of your pockets. Oh, okay. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> All right, sorry. I so I went to Mr. Money Mustache and I got distracted by the Art of Manliness uh, trunk link. Yeah. So the Art of Manliness trunk is just really quick posts of, of things that people found on the internet. And I'm scrolling down. There's there's a thing on webs on uh, the Art of Manliness trunk from College Humor called the Quadruple Windsor, <laughs> also known as the King's Throat. You basically you tie you tie a double Windsor and then you use that knot to tie another double Windsor. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, this is hilarious. It's it's like extraordinarily manly ties and how to tie them. There's another one called the practical, and it involves storing a banana in the knot so that you can eat it without your hands. <laughs> Here's another one. <laughs> the constrictor tie. You use a snake as a tie. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> All right.
I got to make sure that this ends up in the show notes. This is hilarious. <laughs> All right, I think uh, I think that concludes our business. So uh, that's the wrong thing. Talk, smoking, double choking, linger on my spleen. I'm dying to find some time. Newspaper cancellation, can't believe this intellection, can't believe these words are true. Part of the world's greatest with the words escape out of state. That's not really true. My stocks are soaked with fucking coffee.